My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Jennifer about her experiences with post-viral illness, both from Epstein-Barr and COVID-19. Jennifer got very sick in September of 2020, and naturally, at first, she thought it was COVID. And as she tested for COVID over and over, it kept coming back negative. She eventually was diagnosed with a reactivation of the Epstein-Barr virus. According to the ClevelandClinic.org, Epstein-Barr virus, EBV, is a very common viral infection that spreads through saliva and body fluids. EBV is a type of herpes virus called herpes virus 4. Most cases of EBV don't cause symptoms. Other cases, especially in adolescents and young adults, can lead to infectious mononucleosis, or mono. Once you get EBV, the infection stays within your body for your entire life in a dormant state where it's inactive or sleeping. You can reactivate the virus and experience symptoms again, regardless of when you first acquired the virus. This virus is more likely to reactivate if you have a weakened immune system. And Jennifer actually has a history, a medical history. She has both celiac disease and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. But both of those diseases have been under control and not really impacting Jennifer's life in a huge way, besides having to take medication and eat gluten-free. So she'd never really thought of herself as being at risk for something like an Epstein-Barr reactivation or even for long COVID. As we all know from living through this pandemic, people with pre-existing conditions are more likely to develop serious disease from COVID-19. So Jennifer experienced this reactivation of Epstein-Barr, and it wasn't just the virus returning, it was the post-viral illness that proved to be a huge challenge. Jennifer is a mother of two, and once she became chronically ill, it became extremely difficult for her to do simple things like take her kids to swim practice or do the dishes. Jennifer felt like she was finally on the road to digging out of this post-viral illness, when she was infected with COVID-19 and then developed long COVID. So she had back-to-back issues with post-viral illness that kept her chronically ill for about a year and a half. But what's amazing about Jennifer's story is that she got better. She very suddenly got better within the weeks before we recorded this interview. And she doesn't know why. So if you were drawn to this interview because you are interested in hearing about how someone recovered and trying to find tips for that, that's not what this is about because Jennifer doesn't even know. She doesn't know why she got better. Uh, Her biggest theory is time. Maybe it just took time in her situation. Everyone's body is different and these things are so poorly understood. But she will talk a bit about the approach that she took about listening to podcasts like the Post Viral Podcast, the creators of which we interviewed last week on the show, about pacing herself, about trying to re-examine the way that she was using her energy. And then it just suddenly lifted, the fog lifted, this chronic illness lifted, and she is doing so much better. And that's a story that I'm excited to share, even if we don't know why, just knowing that it's possible, I think is really exciting. Hearing from someone who went through it, who lived through it, and has come out the other side is really exciting. You know, it always feels like with chronic illness, once it turns on, it feels like it's never going to turn off. And that is not always true. You never know what's going to happen with chronic illness. So it's a really great story, amazing interview. I'm very excited to share it with you, and we're going to get to it in just a couple minutes. 
This is part two of three of our deep dive into post-viral illness, including chronic fatigue syndrome, also known as myalgic encephalomyelitis. And next week, we'll be speaking with someone who has had chronic fatigue syndrome for years. In all three of these episodes, it has been mentioned that one of the suspected causes of chronic fatigue syndrome might be post-viral illness to something common like the Epstein-Barr virus. That's something we're talking about today and will come up again in next week's episode. And the week after that, we'll be moving into something completely new, a disease that I had never even heard of before. It's called hyperhidrosis, and it's the excessive sweating disease. So I had the extreme pleasure of speaking with someone who's had this disease their entire life, and it was absolutely fascinating. Just learning about this disease and learning to manage this disease was super, super interesting. So make sure you are subscribed on whatever platform you listen to, because we got some great stuff coming up here on the show. You know, I was just talking about how you never know what's going to happen with chronic illness, and I am living that right now. I have had so much improvement over the last couple months. I mentioned recently that, you know, I've been on this new uh, medication regimen, and it's just continuing to help. I am hitting milestones that I have not hit in over, you know, in about six years. And I I just realized that I just hit the six-year anniversary of my flare-up of my chronic illness. So I have been basically, you know, couch-ridden for six years and then started using a wheelchair to get back up and out and into the world. And now I'm back on my feet again. I have not used my wheelchair for a week. I haven't used it since I got back from my New York trip that I told you about last week. And in fact, I've started to use my legs a little bit. I I got on the treadmill for five minutes one day, and then I just got on the treadmill for 10 minutes, which is incredible, you know? And then the next day I went for a bike ride. And yeah, I still feel really sick every time I do physical activity afterwards, but the fact that I can do it at all is incredible. I also had a really great appointment with my uh, with my doctor that I'm calling my diagnostician. It's actually a team. It's, uh, you know, this primary care doctor. And then I'm not even sure what his position is, but uh, this individual who is assisting her. Uh, so I spoke with both of them this week and had a really great appointment. I just, I can't even tell you what how good it feels to to talk about this stuff in such detail with medical professionals and not have them gaslight me to have them believe me and to con- continue to work with me and this last appointment i had you know i i always go into these appointments nervous that it will have been the last time that they will have taken me seriously the time before and this will be the time where it will all end and i had the best appointment that i've had yet uh just this last week so i mentioned on the podcast last week that my uh dysautonomia test revealed a delayed sweat response, and I wasn't sure what that meant. Uh, so I, I got to talk to this, uh, you know, diagnostic team about that, and they were telling me how this could be the sign of something called small fiber neuropathy. And I've been doing some digging and some reading about small fiber neuropathy, and it really matches up, you know, it matches up with a lot of what I've experienced, including some of the weirder things like my feet being freezing cold all the time and all of the hair falling out on the outside of my lower legs, which is, you know, one of those things where I show doctors and they're like, I don't know, they just shrug their shoulders. Uh, so I found this article about this individual who had been living with small fiber neuropathy. He's like, yeah, 
constant dizziness, weird bouts of exhaustion, having to lie down constantly throughout the day, having difficulty using his legs, getting them to respond sometimes. It's like, oh my God, this just sounds like my life story. And of course, we're also still on this uh, this idea that I might have some sort of histamine issue, potentially um, digesting histamine because I've been eating the low histamine diet and taking an enzyme to break down histamine. And I've just continued to get better and better since, since doing that. So I've gotten completely off of cannabis because I'm on these other meds that are helping with pain. And I, you know, I've talked to the doctor this week about how cannabis can really raise your heart rate and produce POTS-like symptoms, something that I did not know that I'm going to continue to talk about because I think it's really important for the chronic illness community to know that. I'm a huge proponent of cannabis use for chronic pain, but if you have heart rate issues, it may not be the safest thing to use. So, yeah, all of this is happening at once. We still have no idea what my diagnosis is, but all of these different pathways have opened. And the most important thing, I'm feeling better, you know, and it's I, it's been months now. It's been a couple of months that I've been feeling better. I'm, just, I'm really starting to get excited about it. I really don't know if I'm going to continue to go up or if I'm going to plateau or if I'm going to crash. And that's you know, that's a hard thing to have hanging over you. So that's something that I'm sort of dealing with trying to pace myself. But, you know, talking to people like Jennifer on the podcast today, listening to their stories, thinking about, uh, you know, recovering from post viral illness, even though we don't think that that's what I have. All of these lessons about pacing yourself really do apply to so many chronic illnesses. So um, I'm just so grateful for this podcast, because I feel like most of the progress we're making is because of what I have learned. You know, even though I have these great new doctors. I am the one bringing ideas to them. I'm the one who brought the idea of histamine intolerance to them uh, to begin with because of the episode we did back in season one. So, you know, I'm recommending all these different tests. Like we talked about Hashimoto's with Stacy, and she said that it wasn't her actual uh, thyroid levels that showed that she had Hashimoto's. It was having the antibodies tested. And I asked my doctors about that. Turns out they'd already run that test, which made me feel so good about my doctors. So, you know, I, it's, I'm just, I'm really starting to get excited. I just can't believe what I've been capable of recently. The thing I keep learning and reminding myself is that when chronic illness turns on, it's that switch that is flipped and it is on and often doesn't turn off. But when it finally starts to recede, in my experience right now, it is not like a switch is turned off at all. It is a very slow process and it's like my body digging its way out. But it feels like my body finally has the tools that, it's, that it needs to start to make that dig. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so exciting. I, I am, you know, like today I went to drop off a 24 hour urine sample, uh, a test that my doctors want to run. And I got to walk into the clinic on my own two feet. I didn't bring the wheelchair. And you know, that's a clinic that I've really been to so many times in the wheelchair that I just felt so tall, you know, <laughs> like everything was at a different height than I was used to. And it's just all these little reminders keep happening that I am getting better. Uh, it's just, it's so exciting. Something else that I'm super excited about is that we have a brand new Patreon supporter this week. So extra special thank you to Nate Useni. And this is the first person who signed up with euros instead of dollars. So I think that this is our first international Patreon supporter, which is incredible. Nate, thank you so, so much. I appreciate your support tremendously. So if you are enjoying this show and you would like to support it to help it continue, you can sign up to do so on Patreon with monthly financial 
contributions that go directly to me, the creator of this show. We have three tiers of support, $2 per month supporters, $7 per month patrons, $25 per month producers. There are different levels of recognition and gifts for each level of support. Everyone gets access to our monthly bonus episodes where Andy and I sit down once a month and chat, and they are super fun. And while we're on the subject, I have to thank my Patreon producers who are supporting us at the highest tier of $25 per month. Extra special thank you to Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Trish O'Brien, Ensign Q, and Hipster Leia. You can learn more or sign up to support this show at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. That link is in the description of this episode. Another great way to support this show is by signing up to participate in research studies and surveys that can help your community of people with your disease through Rare Patient Voice. So this is open to anyone with any sort of diagnosis or people who are caretakers. You can sign up using our link, rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast, and you can support this podcast at the same time that you are signing up. And what's extra exciting about this is that you can actually be paid for your time, an average of $100 per hour. It's a super exciting thing, a really cool program that I'm very excited to be partnered with. So make sure you check out Rare Patient Voice. That link is also in the description of this episode. If you're like me and you have not been working and you do not have excess finances to support a podcast, that is totally okay. I always completely understand. Your listenership is the thing that is the most important to me. Uh, But other ways that you can support the podcast that are absolutely free, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok, both at Major Pain Podcast. You can leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, a positive rating on Spotify, or, you know, a whole bunch of podcast platforms out there, including my podcast platform of choice, Podcast Republic, offer uh, rating and review systems. Rating and reviewing us on any platform is a really great way to help new listeners find the show. If you leave a rating and review on a platform that is not Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot of it and email it to me at majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to read it on the show. That reminds me, I love hearing from you. If you have any feedback, thoughts about the episode, questions for our guests, questions for me, you can always reach out, email me at majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on any episode of the show at majorpainpodcast.com, or you can reach out on social media through TikTok and Instagram. I also just want to put it out there. You know, I've been trying to think of new ways to monetize this podcast. It's something that is important for the future of the show. It's definitely something that I do not want to disrupt the flow of the show or to, you know, take away from the quality of the content at all. That's why I was so excited to work with Rare Patient Voice, because I feel like that is a mutually beneficial uh, relationship for this show and for our listeners. So, you know, if you have thoughts about this, if you have ideas, if you know more about this than I do, please reach out and let me know. Um, you know, it's it's something that I now that I have a little bit more energy, it's something that I'm looking to expand uh, in the hopes that I won't have to ever put this podcast down. I want to keep doing it for as long as I can. Before we jump into our episode with Jennifer today, I will remind you, as always, that my guests and I are not medical professionals. Uh, please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic episode with Jennifer about her back-to-back post-viral illness from the Epstein-Barr reactivation and COVID-19. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jesse. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Uh, We are speaking in two different time zones. You are in Austria. That is correct. Yeah, so I'm... 
in uh, Austria, close to Vienna, in the Viennese woods, actually, in a small little village. And it's absolutely beautiful here. I love it so much. And I actually grew up in San Diego, in Encinitas. What? No way. I grew up in San Diego. (laughs) Yeah, I I remember. I heard that you you mentioned that on your podcast. So actually, I was um, born in the Bay Area, and I grew up in Encinitas. I went to UCSD for my bachelor's degree. And then I moved to Austria actually 12 years ago. Wow, interesting. What took you to Austria? I did my master's degree in London, and I really did not like it there. But my mom is originally from Austria, so she had been living in the US for many years. So I thought, okay, maybe I should go to Austria and see, you know, learn more about my roots. At that time, my grandma was still alive. And I wanted to spend some time with my grandma because she was, you know, getting older. And so I thought, hey, you know, I'll go to Austria for a year. And before I start my real life, you know, <laughs> I get a real job and move back to California. Um, and lo and behold, I ended up staying. So it's just, I got a, a job that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed lifestyle here. I ended up meeting my husband and that's basically it. Wow. So cool. Have you been to been back to San Diego at all uh, in the last few years? Not recently. So yeah. definitely not since the pandemic. So it's been a couple of years. But yeah, since I went back, so when I went back last, um, it was probably about five years ago. I was shocked at like how much construction had been going on, mm. and things have changed a lot. But yeah, it yeah. was really nice to be back and eat Mexican food. Oh, that's the best thing, the Mexican food in San Diego. <laughs> I haven't been back in years. I've been feeling uh, a bit homesick for San Diego recently. I just want to go back and, you know, jump in the ocean and uh, go kayaking and eat Mexican food. It's, it's been a while for me. Oh, me too. Me too. I miss it the most in the winter just because the winters here are a lot longer, a lot grayer, a lot colder. And I really miss like just not having to think about the weather all the time. Yeah. And here you get a lot more seasons and it gets a lot hotter in the summer, a lot colder in the winter. And it's just more of a hassle kind of, I feel like if you have, <laughs> I, I didn't grow up with weather, yeah. you know, in San Diego, it's pretty much consistent the whole year round. Oh God. I remember like even just having to learn to like put socks on, like <laughs> sounds so dumb, but like, you know, like wearing socks wasn't like a something that you had to do in order to keep your feet warm. Right. You know, you could wear socks or not wear socks. Didn't really matter. Yeah. There's a whole culture around wearing sandals in San Diego, yeah. you know, like, you, um, like which sandals in my are you high wearing? School also, it was just, you know, people just wore flip-flops all the time. Yeah. And so I, I got here and I was like, Oh my God, like my feet are cold. Like, Oh yeah. Socks are for that. Like it didn't even occur to me because I only <laughs> just sounds like makes me makes me sound like I uh, was so dumb, but I just never learned about wearing socks. <laughs> yeah, I know when I first came to Seattle, just living through seasons was such a change. You know, I, I love it. I mean, I still I still love it here, and the the summers here are amazing. Uh, whereas in San Diego, you s- sometimes start to take the heat for granted, take the warmth for granted. Or for me, it was just yeah. too hot a lot of the time. Uh, to where I didn't want to go outside. Um, whereas here, like, you know, hot summer day here is perfect and so beautiful. But I still, you know, I, I grew up there. I spent, you know, the first uh, 25 years of my life there. So 
uh, it'll always be a part of me for sure. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's um, there is something to be said about seasons, and I think there's also a, a message in seasons. You know that just like nature has its own pace. Mm. You know, you have your own pace to your own life, and you have seasons in your own life of better health and worse health. And that's something I think that you can really take away from it. It's not normal just for things to be good all the time. As much as I wish that your life was always perfect and nice, it's just not not how it is. Very wise. That's very interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Thinking of nature as cyclical and kind of thinking of yourself as being cyclical when you are in a a spot that doesn't feel so good, you will cycle out of it. And it often doesn't feel like you will, but keeping that in mind is really important. I, I love that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I love to start the podcast by getting to know my guests and we just jumped right into it. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself before we uh, jump into your story? Yeah. So I, I'm also a mom and I'm married. I have two young kids. They're almost five and seven years old. Awesome. Very cool. Um, yeah. What are your kids like? <laughs> they are very funny and curious and very active, uh, very thoughtful. And yeah, they definitely keep me on my feet. And it's also part of the reason why I wanted to come on the podcast, because I wanted to talk a little bit about, about the experience of being a sick mom mm, and what that was like, Yeah, uh, just because it was a total... It was a total shift in our family dynamic, and it was really, it was honestly really, really challenging when you yeah. have such little kids who still need you for so many things, and then you're just not able to do the things that you normally did for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that's you know definitely been on my mind. You know, I'm 37 and I don't have kids. Uh, I've always wanted to have kids, but it's become a question whether or not I could support a family, you know, energetically, um, definitely yeah. not financially, but, <laughs> but ener- energetically just like having enough energy to be present and take care of a human, you know, I, I, that's, that's definitely a big question. So I'm really excited to hear that, uh, and, and to get into that. So let's, let's jump into your story. Uh, Jennifer, what is your major pain? So, uh, I had COVID and it took me a very, very long time to get better. Unfortunately, I've been doing a lot better recently. I think we had our initial contact about two months ago to set up an interview. Mm -hmm. And within those two months, I've improved a lot. I have basically a normal function of skill right now. So it's no longer a major pain, uh, fortunately for me. Wow, that's amazing. I'm I'm really happy about it. (laughs) I I didn't think I would improve so much in such a short amount of time. Uh, but yeah, so long COVID was my major pain, something that's fortunately getting better. And in addition to that, I also have celiac, celiac disease and Hashimoto. Oh, wow. Okay. And, you know, you, you expressed to me right before we started recording, you expressed to me um, that you weren't sure if it felt appropriate to talk about your story since you just made this huge recovery recently. And I'm thrilled to talk to you about it. I think that sharing a story of someone with long COVID getting better is so valuable. So I'm so excited to hear all about it. Um, but with Hashimoto's and celiac disease, it sounds like, you know, uh, two autoimmune conditions that you uh, have likely had your entire life. So when, when did uh, you first start to notice symptoms from those? 
Okay, so both of those started about 10 years ago. Um, I didn't know that I had them, or maybe I didn't have them at all. So 10 years ago, I got sick with mono, mononucleosis caused by the Epstein-Barr virus. Mm. And I was really sick from that for about a month. I was like just really fatigued and I had joint pain. And after about a month, the fatigue started to wear off and I thought, oh, I'm over this virus. But then I started to have really bad stomach aches and they would just come on suddenly. I didn't know what was causing these stomach aches. And I also had joint pain as well. Um, and then I started having all kinds of like gastrointestinal problems and um, my, yeah, my stool started getting all totally weird. <laughs> and so I ended up having to go to, went to the doctor. At first, they didn't know what was wrong. And after a couple of months, finally, I went to a gastroenterologist and they did um, a scope. And then they also did a colonoscopy where they go on the other side. Yeah. And then they were finally able to see like the damage, I guess, in the villi mm. caused by the celiac. Wow. And at that point, you know, I had really like, I had, had horrible stomach aches and all kinds of bathroom abnormalities. And I was really happy actually to get that diagnosis because they had also been thinking about it could also be colitis ulcerosa, which is another autoimmune condition mm -hmm. where there's a lot of inflammation in your bowel. Um, but I was really happy that it was just celiac disease because I didn't have to take any medicine to fix that, right? You just have to avoid eating gluten. Sure. And that's the only treatment for it. So at that point, I was so happy to get that diagnosis. I was like, oh my God, it's just that. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to take any medicine. It's going to be fixed. You know, it's not going to get worse. It's that's just it. Yeah. And had you been um, eating gluten your entire life before then? Yeah, absolutely. And I, if I look back, I think there were a couple of signs. Like my husband remembers when I was dating him. At some point I said, oh, you know, my stomach always hurts. And um, so there was definitely a time before then where I just had a lot of stomach aches and I just never, I never put the two and two together. Mm -hmm. um, and I also remember like my, one of my neighbors used to bake fresh bread that had, I guess she used a special type of dough, like special type of wheat that has more gluten in it as mm. is common. Oftentimes these like bakery breads have more gluten in them. They get a special flour for that. And I remember my stomach always hurting after I ate her fresh baked bread. Wow. And like my mom thought it was the yeast. Like nobody thought it was the gluten. So maybe I did have like a habit very mildly, but I think the, the Epstein-Barr virus caused it to come up stronger. Yeah, interesting. And of course, in the course of going through the testing for celiac and trying to figure out what the cause of my stomach aches and all that was, um, they also found that I had abnormal thyroid values. So, mm. and that's how I got diagnosed then with the Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Wow. At the same time, they found it kind of accidentally. Yeah. So, yeah, we yeah. just recently spoke with someone with uh, Hashimoto's. Um, so, I, I am more familiar with this than I've ever been. <laughs> so, it's were you super, having... super, super common. Yeah. Were you having like the lack of energy associated with that? I was, but at that point, I had thought it was still from the Epstein-Barr virus, and I didn't think it was a separate autoimmune mm, condition. Sure. 
Yeah, it's so hard to tell sometimes. Like if the symptom is fatigue and you're tired, <laughs> how are you yeah. supposed to know which which uh, which disease is causing the fatigue? Right, right. But um, I actually responded really well to that medication. Yeah. So they give you a synthetic hormone yeah. to replace the hormone that your body isn't able to make or that your body is attacking. And I remember going from constantly feeling cold to just feeling like, oh, this is like a normal temperature. So mm. that helped me a lot. Yeah, amazing. You know, sometimes for some people, finding a diagnosis, either of those diagnoses can be so traumatic and such a protracted experience where it just takes years and years to get a doctor to take them seriously and to find what's wrong. And it sounds like for both of these autoimmune conditions for you, um, it sounds like you were going through a bit of a rough time, found the answer, and then were able to treat them relatively quickly. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that was honestly, I really appreciate that now. I didn't realize at that point how unusual that is. Mm. But yeah, that was really, really lucky. Yeah, because, you know, thinking of it from your perspective, going from not having any health problems to having two autoimmune conditions, that actually would be pretty traumatic, you know, just in and of itself, even if it happens so fast and you don't have to go through this long diagnostic process, there still can absolutely be a trauma involved in finding out that you have these two conditions. Did you go through that process at all? Honestly, I did not. With Wow. With the celiac, I was, you know, I was just so thankful that it was an easy way to treat it. I didn't have to take you know, steroid medications or any other types of medications. Um, that could have been the case if it had been, you know, Crohn's or colitis ulcerosa. So there's other diseases that would have had similar effects. Mm. So I was really happy that it was that. You know, 10 years ago in Austria, there wasn't as many gluten-free products available. And mm. so it was definitely a huge lifestyle change because, yeah. you know, here in, in Europe, you know, you have all these delicious breads and yeah. eating all these like really amazing, like hand-baked breads is just part of daily life here. And mm -hmm. the bread is so good. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a bummer. I'm not going to lie. And it still is. But I, I just rolled with the punches and kind of just, okay, this is how it is. And there's plenty of other foods that I can eat. So it didn't bother me that much because I felt so much better. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like, if you go from just being so like weak and in pain and, you know, just having all these, I, w I was really sick. I think there's a lot of people who, you know, maybe don't get diagnosed when they're as sick as I was. And so they have a harder time accepting that diagnosis. But if you are really sick and then the doctor says, do this and you feel better, you know, after a very short amount of time, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this because yeah. it works for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's an element of discipline that comes with that. And this is something that is so important with chronic illness is having the discipline to stick to something. Um, you know, it's so, I, was, I just spoke yesterday with the uh, the hosts of the post-viral podcast, Stu and Lindsay, who yeah. you actually connected me to. That's why that interview happened. Um, and we were talking about this yesterday a little bit as well, this discipline to, you know, if you have to take a supplement every day, three times a day, just being able to force yourself to do that can be really hard. And, you know, I, I've eaten a bunch of different diets and I know how hard it can be to just say, okay, I don't eat this food anymore. I eat this food instead. And that's it. You know, you just have to do it. And that can be really, really difficult. 
it's it's difficult. I think it's really difficult if you don't know why you're doing it and if you don't see results. And especially with diet, even though I have celiac disease, I don't see it's not like a beast thing. If I eat gluten, I don't swell up. It's not an allergy. It takes several hours for me to feel the effects. Hmm. If at all, you know, sometimes it's a cumulative effect. So if I eat something that has only a little bit of gluten in it or a, a small amount, I don't necessarily feel the effects anymore. Um, and so it, there is a little bit of discipline involved with it, but um, because I've been on the side where I was really sick, and I know that it will it will make me really sick if I continue to eat it. Yeah, it's easier to do it. On the other hand. With other types of diets, you know, that you do just for, you know, just for wait and see or just for out of curiosity. If you try a new diet and you're just curious about something, mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to stick with it because you don't necessarily know if it's going to have an effect or not. Yeah. And I totally. think that's the difference. Yeah. And I'm of a similar mindset where if, if something is going to make me feel better, I just do it. You know, I just, I compartmentalize, I turn off the part of my brain that used to not do it and I do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like I'll do anything to feel better. And if something works for me, I'll keep doing it. Um, yeah. That's, that's the mindset that I found. I just have to have, you know, it's gotta, those things for me have to be a little bit black or white, you know, on or off yes or no. Um, and, and that's been, that's been helpful for me in, in certain areas with chronic illness. I'm not someone who believes in binary normally. You know, I'm someone who very much loves things that have shades of gray and seeing in between the lines and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, but sometimes it's like you either take this medication or you don't. And if you, if you don't take it, it's not going to help you. Uh, so those things have to be very black and white for me. Right. And then that's, I think... Yeah, it's just how you ha you have to see some things are going to help you and some things are not going to help you and some things might help you in small doses, but you have to have some sort of discipline when it comes to your health and especially when taking your medication. So I have to take um, tablets for my Hashimoto's and I have to take those on an empty stomach half an hour before I eat or drink anything else. <laughs> and so just you have to learn how to live with that. Yeah, totally. I have a little bit of experience with that. Um, I, I I had medication that I had to take that way for for quite a while. I don't have to do it anymore, but um, but that can be so frustrating when <laughs> when you're really hungry and you just remember that you haven't taken your medication and you have to wait another half hour uh, before <laughs> you can eat anything. That can be so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your Epstein Barr. Uh, virus that you had okay so the epstein-barr virus it's a member of the herpes virus family so it, actually i think like about 95 percent of all people in the world have had contact with this virus it's very common but in a small percentage of people it can um, cause long-term illness and it's associated with a lot of chronic illnesses as well including chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it's also associated with certain type of cancers as well. So for some reason, this virus is just a horrible virus to have. And uh, in some people, it can make them really sick. And that's actually what had happened to me. Um, so I hadn't had it initially for the first time 10 years ago, as far as I know, that was the first time I had had it. And then during two years ago, I... Um, 
was in the middle of the quarantine, you know, first COVID year, really stressful. We had had, unfortunately, some deaths in the family. And so it was a very, very difficult time. And I think mm, I'm sorry. the stress of that environment caused it to reactivate. So mm. because the Epstein-Barr virus is a member of the herpes family, it can reactivate wow. um, numerous times, just like, you know, cold sore is a type of herpes virus as well. And cold sores, you can reactivate and get cold sores again and again. Same thing can happen, unfortunately, with the Epstein-Barr virus. Mm. And so it had reactivated. And this time it took me months and months to recover. And I was extremely fatigued and just had, you know, the body aches and sore throat, headache. Um, and it took a really long time and I, for me to get better. I was just constantly sick for months on end. And unfortunately, I also caught COVID then while I was still recovering from that Epstein-Barr virus wow. episode. Wow. And then the combination of the two just made me very fatigued. Yeah, wild. I mean, it's so amazing it how these things can happen where it's like this one-two punch. Um, I mean, first of all, having your Epstein-Barr reactivate, um, like that's hard enough to deal with. But then to get COVID on top of that when you're still trying to recover, it sounds like that sort of sent you into this spiral of chronic illness. Yeah, I am. Um, exactly. That's exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, it was, it just, I think it's just a combination of all these factors coming together. And, you know, I was that fully vaccinated for COVID and I still got um, pretty sick and then took a long time to get better. Yeah. So I think the combination of maybe having some autoimmune conditions beforehand, mm -hmm. plus those the Epstein-Barr virus, I think that probably just had weakened my body so much that the COVID just completely put me out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about, yeah, having two autoimmune conditions and a pre-existing viral infection, um, you know, there's so much we still don't know about COVID, but one of the things we do know is that it seems to be, uh, you, you seem to be at higher risk with pre-existing conditions and you're already dealing with three. So yeah. Yeah. So that's quite a Honestly, lot. Honestly, before I got COVID, I never thought about my autoimmune conditions that I had as being a, a condition, you know, mm. it, it was just, Oh, I don't eat gluten. Um, and I have to take, this medicine in the morning and that's it. I never thought about it. I considered myself healthy and I really didn't think about those conditions as being anything life altering. And now looking back, I'm like, Oh, you know, I should have probably spent more time thinking about the, these conditions or learning more about them. Um, because I definitely didn't appreciate how impactful they can be on your body. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's a gift in some ways, you know, to, you know, to, to not treat those conditions, you would have been so much more sick. So to find the way to treat them and to be able to integrate that into your life is such a gift, but you still have those conditions. You know, yeah. I, I totally hear what you're saying. It's like, well, everything's working. So I'm going to stop thinking about it. And that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I hope to get there someday, but you will always have that, uh, these lifelong conditions under the surface. And even if they are managed, it sounds like it does still put you at higher risk for, um, you know, for COVID and for 
uh, Epstein Barr re reactivation. So, yeah, it's really complicated. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing how every single person's body is different, and as you get to know your body, it can still surprise you. You know, even on and on throughout your life. Yeah, it is, and you know, it's kind of like it, it just shocks you when you get so sick. You mm. think, oh my God, like I thought of myself as a healthy person, you know, I eat right and I exercise and all of a sudden that's just taken away so quickly and you really realize like how fragile and precious your health is. Wow, absolutely. Yeah. What, what was the timeline of this? So when did you get COVID? I know you just started to feel better two months ago uh, so or within the last COVID two months and we're, we're in July of 2022 right now. So I got COVID in January of this year, 2022. Okay. And I had the Epstein-Barr activation in September of 2020. Oh, wow. Wow. So you were sick for, um, for like a year and a half. Yeah. Wow. And, and it sounds like... It, it sounds like this was a really sudden onset. I mean, you're going, it sounds like you're going through some family trauma um, through COVID and then you get really sick and you just don't get better and you have young children. Um, tell me about that time. Oh, it was, looking back, it was really terrible uh, and really difficult. At that time, if you had asked me how we're doing, I'm like, oh, you know, we're hanging in there. We're, we're doing, going through. But in reality, it was just, it was a lot, you know, we had, um, my husband's father passed away, unfortunately, and we were doing home office with two little kids. I think at that time they were two and four years old. And so they were home because the kindergartens had been closed. And it, I think just the mental stress of that situation just lowered my immune system and made me more susceptible mm -hmm. to illness. And then I got sick and I, at first we had thought, oh, it's just maybe a flu. We thought maybe it was COVID. Then I did get a COVID test, but that came out negative at that point in time. If you remember, it was really hard to get COVID tests mm -hmm. back in 2020. Yeah. And so in Austria, where I lived, they actually had the Red Cross come to your house to do a PCR test, like a nasal swab. Mm. So I had to wait a couple of days for them to come and I was in um, quarantine for that, but it came out negative, fortunately. So then we just thought, okay, it's some other kind of virus. You'll be better in, you know, a week or two weeks, which is already, you know, a long time for like a healthy person. Sure. And then, the, then um, after a while, I went to the doctor and she said, oh, you know, the blood work. Oh, you know, it's that Epstein-Barr virus because they can see that on blood tests it'll be better in six weeks. Six weeks came and went, it was not better. And then time passed and I just continued being extremely fatigued with, you know, joint and muscle pain, uh, headache, and uh, just not, I just felt like I had like a little bit of a, like a flu the entire time, more or less, you know, just really fatigued. And then I started on the journey that most people start on where they're like, they start going to doctors and like, make me better, give me the magic pill. Mm. And there is no magic pill for that kind of virus. And then, um, you know, I tried, you know, acupuncture, the traditional Chinese medicine, whether you give you 
these Chinese herbs and you have to drink this tea and mm-hmm. uh, what else did I try? You know, different types of all kinds of alternative things that you can find, you know, just trying to find a way to improve it and nothing. I went to a couple of other doctors and one went to one doctor who said, Oh, you know, just do more, just, you should exercise more. And I was like, I would be exercising more if I could, but I, like, I, I, I can't. Yeah. And completely like it made me feel like I was, you know, making up my symptoms or I was being lazy. And I was like, I'm, I will, you don't understand. Like if before I got sick, I loved exercising. I loved going for a run. I loved hiking and doing all these activities. And I feel, first of all, I feel horrible if I, you know, walk or do even small daily things. It's just totally exhausts me and it puts me in horrible pain. Um, I would do all that if I could, but I can't like explain why am I not getting better? And then finally, after all these like false starts and, you know, problems with getting medical attention, I finally found a neurologist who is very knowledgeable about these post-viral conditions. He's a specialist in long COVID and post-viral fatigue syndromes. And he told me, you know what, what you're experiencing is a post-viral condition. It could, if it gets worse, it could turn into chronic fatigue syndrome, but it could get better. But the way that you get better is by pacing. So you really have to be careful about your energy. Don't do too much. Um, take breaks in between activities, including mental activities, you know, mental and emotional and physical activities all put a toll on your body. So really be careful about what you do and how you do it. And that was his advice. And so then I had to be really careful about pacing myself, which is hard to do when you have two little kids. Hmm. And um, yeah, eventually I did get better um, so that I was able to go to work. Fortunately, I work on, I have a computer job, so I don't really have to move from my job. It's not physically demanding. So that helped me a lot. But still, it was really challenging for me to do simple things like take my kids to swim practice. I mean, swim practice, it doesn't sound like it's a big thing, but when you're sick, it's really hard because you have to you know, drive the car to the pool, carry a bag with their towels, help them put their swimsuits on, walk them down to the pool, wait, and then help them take a shower like, you know, after the, the swim lesson. And all of a sudden, every single like little task that is involved in something like taking your kids to swim lessons just seems like insurmountable. So mm, absolutely. That was that was really challenging. Yeah. And in, in that period of time when doctors are ignoring you when you're saying like something's wrong and like, oh well, just exercise more. Um, you know, which is kind of the exact opposite of what you need. You need like that yeah. advice about pacing yourself sounds very wise and it sounds like it was helpful. So when you're going to doctors and and d- that feeling of like screaming into the void, no one will listen, and you keep telling them what's going on, and they keep telling you that you're fine. Um, did you ever start to doubt yourself? Oh, all the time, all the time. I, I felt like I was like, you know, I'm. I, I I thought you know I'm working so hard, and I let me just try to see what happens if I go for a walk around the block. 
oh my God, I, and I like, actually, I do feel worse after I do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me see what happens. Can I um, go out to the doctor? And then on my way home from the doctor's office, let me stop at the pharmacy to see if I can handle, you know, doing two activities mm. in one outing. And like, no, it's like too much. And you really, you really go into this like spiral where you just keep doubting yourself. And then you're like, okay, actually I do need a rest. I'm not making this up. And then you'll try it again. And it's, it's crazy. You really feel like you're a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time for me to be able to kind of go out and open and talk to my, you know, the broader public about what was what I was going on. And obviously my husband, my kids knew and my parents, but because I just felt like I was doubting myself so much, I wasn't able to share that with other people yeah. because I thought that they would think that I'm making it up. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if you have an illness, which isn't visible, you really feel like it's not something that other people can understand. Yeah. And then not only are you going through something so hard, but you start to feel shame around it because you're hiding it because you worry that other people either won't understand or they won't believe you and you're struggling to believe yourself. So it becomes so hard to share. And then you just start to bottle all this up. And also the symptoms that I had were, were not very like, are just very general symptoms of fatigue and muscle and joint pain. It's not um, not anything that sounds. It's not anything that sounds bad. It's not anything that's so dramatic, but it does impact your ability to do a lot of activities with your kids, to take them places, and you know. Also, I wasn't able to have them ha- invite friends over because I said I can barely you know watch you. I I can't be responsible for other people's children hmm. if I'm needing to lay on the couch. You know. Yeah. Well, fatigue is is so debilitating, you know? Like, I, I know what you mean when you say, like, it doesn't sound like anything that serious, but it really is. Like, if you are always so tired that you can't function, how are you supposed to live? You know, that's... Yeah. It, it's incredibly debilitating. And I, I know with my own experience with my chronic health issues, um, the times where I've been fatigued all the time are some of the worst times that I've had where I just lay in bed and do nothing, you know? And um, yeah, like days where I'm too tired to play video games even because yeah. it's just too much work. Um, those yeah, are really, really hard days. mental simulation is also, mental, can be yes. also so much. Yeah. Um, but then the, the other thing that happened also is, I don't know if you've experienced this, but even though I was really fatigued, I wasn't able to sleep. So I had horrible insomnia. <laughs> yes. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And so I also, then I also had to go to the doctor and be like, okay, I, I got it. You got to give me something to help me sleep because I can't recover if I can't sleep. And so that's its own, like, that's its own hardship. Yeah. Because you're like so fatigued during the day, then you can't sleep at night. You lay in bed, trust trying to sleep, but you can't sleep. Um, and I've heard this, a lot of people have this, you know, that they have this like fatigue. And then they get into the cycle where they just can't sleep. So it's almost like you're um, a baby, you know, overstimulated babies can't sleep. Mm. And it's the same with your mind in that case too. Like your mind is, your body is tired, but your mind for some reason can't shut down and you just can't sleep for months on end. 
Absolutely. And it's so counterintuitive because you're like, I'm so tired all day. I can barely get out of bed all day. And then it's finally time to sleep and you, and you just can't. Yeah, I've absolutely experienced that. It's, it's yeah. maddening. <laughs> it's maddening. And yeah. half the time you think, you know, if I could only get a good night's sleep, my symptoms would be 50% better. Mm-hmm. And you just can't sleep. So that, that was also one of the symptoms that I had as well. And it just drove me insane. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you started to recover, was that uh, before you got COVID? Were you like on your I way back I started getting a better, yeah. So I started recovering a year ago, which was um, 2021. Mm-hmm. In I don't know. I don't, I don't have an exact date, but let's say somewhere around May, I think I started getting better. And just bit by bit, really slowly. Part of the reason why I had started getting into listening to podcasts was because there was so little medical support mm. from doctors. There was that one doctor that I had gone through to who you know was an expert in these types of post-viral conditions. And he gave really good advice. But unfortunately, he's pretty much one of the only doctors in the country who is specialized in these types of conditions. Wow. And so it's basically impossible to get an appointment. And um, so I just started Googling, you know, trying to figure out like other people who have this. I had a name for what I had. And that's how I found the post file podcast, podcast, which was really helpful. So I started following their advice, just being really strict about pacing at the same time incorporating a little bit of movement into my day, mm-hmm. which I think also helped. Absolutely. Um, so movement and, you know, just small ways of moving your body that feel good. Mm-hmm. And just slowly also kind of understanding the role that stress has in these types of conditions. And I got bit by bit better. Mm-hmm. So definitely not at the level that I'm right now, but enough to, you know, kind of fake it <laughs> <laughs> enough energy to mask enough and energy to mask right so i could take care of my kid was able to work take care of my kids i couldn't go on any on any hikes or any like types of you know physical outings but you know if there was i could go out with my family to like a park and sit on a bench and you know rest afterwards that kind of thing so that was i was getting better and i was happy about that and then um, January this year, I got COVID and all the, the fatigue and um, all my symptoms came back in full force. Mm. I also had problems with my heart rate. So I had a really, really high heart rate whenever I got up mm. to walk around. Um, I have like a simple heart rate monitor on my watch and my heart rate went up to like 145, 150, just going to the bathroom. Wow. And um, so I had, you know, the cough and um, chest pains and a lot of fatigue as well. And yeah, that did not get better for until recently. So until about maybe I want to say like six weeks ago. Wow. Um, I started being able to really feel like I'm, I'm, I'm improving a lot. So you were just starting to claw your way out of this horrible health flare-up, and then another one hits you and you go back to square one and have to build yourself back up again. That sounds emotionally traumatizing. I mean, you must have felt like 
the universe was out to get you. Oh, you're absolutely right. Oh my God. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. And the thing is, I, so I got sick in, in January and I remember thinking like end of February, I was like, man, because end of February was when the, when Putin invaded Ukraine, I was like, man, why doesn't Putin get long COVID, man? This is like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what did I do? Mm. And it's, um, it's really hard. It's, you know, I, I don't know if other people will have this experience as well, but you really wonder like, what did I do in my life to deserve this? Why is this happening? And um, yeah, it's, it is very scary and very just, it's very scary and just very isolating. You feel like, you know, everything in your life is, is being taken away. Yeah. It's so interesting that you went through this back to back. Uh, and now that you're feeling a little better, have you drawn any conclusions about what you went through? Mm, I haven't. That's a good question. I think the conclusion to make is that just like nature has seasons, life has seasons as well. And everyone has something that they struggle with. Some people, it's a health condition that you may know about. Other people, it's a health condition you may not know about or some other issue. And it's kind of unavoidable that there's going to be light and shadow in life. Hmm. And that doesn't mean that there is anything that you did wrong when you get sick or anything that you did right if you get healthy. Uh, sometimes I think a lot of these things are random and there isn't necessarily anything that is for, like, that, that's not a punishment, you know, there is no, there isn't necessarily a punishment when you get sick. It's just something that happens. But if you do get well, you know, you can support your health, but the people who are healthy their whole life, oftentimes they think that they're kind of superior to those people who are sick. And that's not necessarily the true. That's not necessarily true, right? Mm. Some people are just lucky with their health, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. You walk into a room with someone else who has a communicable disease and it changes your entire life. That's random, you know? That's, that's random. And yeah. to have it happen back to back is still random. And it it's, feels, still, it's still random. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many people who are dealing with COVID nowadays. So it really could happen to anyone. And I think the other thing that really struck me is how quickly you could go from being completely well to being um, disabled. Mm. And it's, you know, I think if you're a healthy person, you kind of think, oh, you know, the disabled community, they're, they're separate from me. But actually, I think the world needs to see the dis disabled community as an extension of themselves, because mm. anybody could enter the disabled community at any time. Uh, fortunately, and I got better, but there's plenty of people who get COVID and they develop long COVID and they become really disabled from it. So yeah, I tell think me that's also really important to remember. So important. I love how you, how you said that. Um, what happened in the last six weeks? It sounds like you just popped back up all of a sudden. Was it something you did or was it just your body finally cleared this virus? Do you, do you even know? I don't know. I haven't. I started taking you know, a new supplement a while ago. So maybe that 
helps, but I think in the end, I don't think the supplement is going to make such a big difference. I think it's just the time, time, and then a good combination of adequate rest and a little bit of movement, not too much. Maybe the sun also helps in just being out, out in fresh air. Maybe that also has helped. And I, I don't want to say anything, you know, any reason about why I got better because in the end, um, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but, that's so important too to say when you don't know, because I think oftentimes people with chronic illnesses, you know, we will attribute um, what has happened to a specific thing when we really don't know. You know, I I've had a chronic illness long enough to know that sometimes I think that I have cracked it and I haven't, or I think that this supplement worked when in fact it was this other thing that I stopped eating, you know, yeah. it can be so difficult to tell what's happening or time. Sometimes it just takes time. So, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people, um, I, I know that there are people out there who have been through something like this and think that they have found the answer and then try to sell that answer when in fact it could have been something else that happened to them. And, you know, that's something I'm very wary of, you know, the, the only people I've refused to interview for the podcast were people that wanted to sell something, <laughs> yeah. which has happened a couple times. Um, because, because I, because there's so much we don't know. And, you know, I'm yeah. so, I'm thrilled to hear that you are doing so much better. Um, I'm always so excited to hear when there's been a change between the time we schedule and the time we record, you know, it's happened a couple of times now. Cause I'm, booking out pretty far in advance at this point. So it's always so exciting to hear that. Um, but the, there's also the side of it that not knowing must be kind of frightening because you want to hold on to feeling better. Are you afraid of, of, of relapsing? Oh, 100%. Especially nowadays, you know, I got sick in January, which was the BA1 variant of Omicron, and now we're at BA5. Mm-hmm. And they're saying the immunity of the there's no immunity that you have from day one. And so I would be at risk of getting reinfected. And even though for most people, it's relatively mild, I don't know how my body would react. And so that's really, really frightening. And, you know, we know that the COVID virus is here. It's here to stay. We can't avoid it, but I am really concerned about getting sick again because it was such a, scary and isolating experience. And I have to say, I feel like, you know, like I had the experience of COVID at a time when society and people in general are well-versed in long COVID. And so I was able to explain really easily, oh, you know, I have long COVID. Um, I can't, that's why I can't volunteer to, you know, to do this in the school I can't go on the hike with you guys because blah, blah, because I have this experience and people were understanding and I had good vocabulary to talk about this illness, mm. which you know, unfortunately, like a lot of people don't. Um, but nonetheless, it was still really scary and isolating because I didn't know if I would get better. I didn't know if it would get worse, if I would develop other symptoms. And for the first couple of um for the first while that I was sick, I was getting a lot of strange symptoms just randomly. I developed allergies to all kinds of things I 
wasn't allergic to before. And I had heart rate problems for several, for about two months after having that. And that fortunately cleared up. So like you said, it's just very scary if you don't know if it's going to get better or not. Yeah, absolutely. What do you do in your daily life for um, COVID mitigation? Are you masking? Are you avoiding certain things? So I mostly do home office. That's the first thing. If I go into a store or any public place, I wear an N95 FFP2 mask. So in Europe, the N95s are called FFP2. Okay. So I wear that. And if I meet up with friends, I try to do it outside so that we're not in an indoor setting. Yeah. So I'm still trying to isolate as well as possible. But of course, I have two kids. They go to school. So they're going to be exposed to viruses there. So Hmm. unfortunately, that's not something that I can totally avoid. Yeah. Well, the good news is that you've had COVID and yes, it was really hard, but you did bounce back. You know, it it is, it's another one of these cycles and it's, it is possible that you will go through this again and that's terrifying, but you've also developed tools to get through it. And you've also developed some experience and you know that you can get through it. So, you know, normally at the end of a podcast, I ask people what message they'd send back in time to themselves or some version of that question. But I feel like in your case, I want to ask you, what message would you send to yourself in a hypothetical future were you to contract COVID again and you're feeling scared, but you know that you've been through it before and that you can get through it again? What would you tell yourself? Mm, I would say rest is medicine. Uh, reach out to as many people as you can for support. And there's no shame in asking for help, especially you know with childcare, that kind of thing. Um, and have faith that we'll get better and be patient. Yeah, that's great advice. We're all living through this horrifying time, you know, and there's this new existential threat to our, uh, to our health in the world. And it's very stressful, you know, and finding ways to let go of that stress is so difficult. Um, and I really, I really empathize with what you've experienced. It sounds like it's been a really hard year and a half. But, uh, um, how, but how are you feeling about this now? I know I, I already asked my last question, but I'm curious. Yeah. How are you feeling about this now? Are you, are you feeling hopeful about the future? I'm feeling, honestly, I feel so much better now. I f- like my energy is returning. I'm able to do so many things that I couldn't do. I knew for a long time, it was just really living in the necessities, you know, and it was really stressful, especially with these two kids who need, you know, they need to have food. They need to have clean clothes. My husband um, was doing everything he could to do all these things that I used to do, but it's hard if you're working full time and then you have all these other things to do. So I'm really happy that I can, you know, do my normal activities again and contribute to the household and my kids are happier again. So I am really, really happy. And I appreciate like every day, like even just small things like doing the dishes. I'm like, wow, I can stand and like Mm -hmm. wash the dishes and um, like my arms don't hurt while I'm doing that. It's just such a gift. 
Yeah, absolutely. And taking that away is, you know, incredible lesson to learn. It's very, it's always very hard fought to get to that place where you're happy to do the dishes. But yeah, but I totally relate to that. And it's really important. And it allows you to enjoy everything else in your life more than you would have otherwise. And there's so much value in that. Yeah, it really is. And I hope I don't lose the appreciation that I have now for like everyday mundane chores because it's it's amazing. Like you I feel so grateful for everything that I have and for the ability to do anything because for a long time it was really challenging. I mean, just going walking up a flight of stairs to get to my office at work, like that was that was so exhausting. I had to, you know, sit and, and rest for like mm. 15 minutes after doing that. Yeah. Take breaks just for one flight, one little flight of stairs, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you wrote in a while back and uh, people might remember an uh, email about uh, being our first listener in Austria. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I did right now. I really appreciate your podcast and yeah. it's nice to hear that you're getting audience yeah, um, well, it's, from all around. It's so great to meet you and to be able to talk to you about what you've experienced. And um, this has been a really, y- your story is a really beautiful story. You know, it's, uh, we often talk to people in the midst of what they're experiencing, but to talk to someone who's just popped out of it, you know, uh, you've just been re- so. reborn. Like, you know? I, I really yeah. hope I'm, I'm popping out of it. Yeah. I'm not going to write back to you in like three weeks and be like, oh, hey, Jesse, never mind everything <laughs> I said. It's I know that's always the fear, you know, like whenever I'm in a, I've been in a bit of an upswing recently myself and I have no idea how long it will last. And that can be difficult to process, you know, to put that fear down and just enjoy the day can be really hard. And it's something I'm working on of like, you know, I I had some rough days within the better days I've been having and I was terrified. It's like, oh yeah. Are they over? Every time that you get you know, even if you get like a small cold or, you know, you, you pull a muscle or whatever it is, it's a small, like something that you wouldn't have even thought about twice before getting ill. You yeah. think, oh my God, am I relapsing? Yeah. Is this, um, is this a crash, you know? Yeah, it's tough. And um, it's just one more skill to work on of being present and enjoying yourself when you are feeling good, you know, but it teaches some really incredible lessons. And uh you know, being a mother and caring for children and needing that energy, but feeling like that energy isn't there, you know, um, I, I just, I can tell you've been through so much and I'm really amazed by your story. You know, I, I've loved hearing your story today. You did a really, really awesome job. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? Anything you'd like to plug before we wrap up today? I personally don't have any social media, but if you are someone who is dealing with a post-viral condition, I can highly recommend the post-viral podcast with Stu and Lindsay. They do a really good job of explaining just about these conditions and they have some advice that may be helpful to you. They're super awesome. Um, Like we said before, Jennifer connected our two podcasts together and I just had the pleasure of speaking with them on last week's episode. Uh, which will come out a week prior to this, even though it just happened yesterday as we are recording. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, they're lovely people, really, really fun conversation. 
and I've already started diving through their back catalog of episodes. Um, and yeah, I mean, like this podcast, we talk to different people every week. And it's cool to have a podcast where you hear from the same people over and over, where um, it's, you know, kind of diving a little deeper into their experiences. So I'm, I'm enjoying it so far, for sure. So that's I'm, a great I'm recommendation. Glad. It's yeah. um, definitely helped me. Oftentimes, you know, when you're really sick, you're too sick to read or even watch TV. And so listening to a podcast was something that I was able to do to just take my mind off mm-hmm. things. And so I've really grown to appreciate podcasts. And I'd like to say thank you so much because you do such a good job with your podcast. It's such valuable work. It really brings people closer together. And it has taught me a lot about other conditions that I never knew about and really makes the world a lot better. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I I totally agree with you that podcasts are my like last ditch entertainment when i have no energy i can't keep my eyes open but i can't fall asleep a podcast is what i will do to get through it yeah that's my um you know distraction of choice when i'm at my worst for sure yeah Um, it's it's really nice you can just kind of zone out and it helps take your mind off things sometimes for sure absolutely and i'm sure you've done that today for whoever's listening to this show um so Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with us. Please keep me updated if you have updates in the future. Um, and I wish you all the best. I, I'm so thrilled that you have uh, reached an upswing. And I, uh, I really hope that it continues for you. Um, but if, if you ever do have issues with COVID again in the future, I know that you have developed the strength and the resilience to get through it. Um, so no matter what happens, I absolutely wish you all the best. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Jesse. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters-Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpain podcast.